Here's the glorious verse we'll be encouraged by today on abounding grace. If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's an ongoing work of God's Holy Spirit. That just doesn't speak to the point of salvation in your life where there was a turning point in your life, but it speaks to every other failure that you commit that God is able to redeem it. He is able to forgive you for it. He is able to encourage you, to uplift you, to bring you away from it. God is for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? There is therefore now no condemnation. In Jesus Christ, none, zero, zip, nada. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Hello again. Glad to have you in our listening family here on Abounding Grace. And we invite you to join us in Romans chapter 8, verse 1 for a great time together in God's Word. When we become a Christian, we're no longer condemned. But that doesn't mean we won't feel condemned at times. Sometimes others will condemn us, and sometimes we bring it on ourselves. So how do we get beyond that to embrace God's truth for our lives? Well, Pastor Ed Taylor will suggest starting with a proper understanding of what it is to be in Christ. Listen, if you've made mistakes here today and you have sinned, by the way, that's all of us. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And you have repented from that sin. You have been forgiven, washed clean. As far as the east is from the west, so far has God removed your sin from you. There's no condemnation. So the real question is this, are you in Christ? Are you in Christ? What does being in Christ mean? Well, that's the person that's been born again. The person that has been born again, I don't just mean you've been baptized as an infant. I don't just mean that you've done the rituals that you've been asked to do. I don't, I'm not just talking about all the church attendance you might have or the desire to pray and, and the good deeds you do in Jesus' name. I'm not talking even about how good you might be in terms of comparing yourself to the guy next to you and you're saying, well, I'm better than the guy next to me. And, you know, if you really found out, the guy next to you is really not that bad after all. And as you're starting to compare yourself and you're wrestling and you're, listen, if you have sinned and you have and you've repented, the Bible says that God has forgiven. You've been washed clean. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. Have you seriously and decisively asked Jesus Christ to come into your life and to forgive you of your sins? If you have, then you are defined by the Bible as in Christ. That's a great place to be. You don't want to be in a place outside of Christ. In Christ, you have now a better covenant and better promises. Flip over to Hebrews chapter 8. Hebrews chapter 8. I want to show you the newness of our relationship through Jesus Christ. It's not the oldness of the letter, it's the newness of the Spirit. There's a freshness of giving your life to Jesus Christ by faith. You now are related to God by a better covenant that are given by better promises. Don't let anybody try to take you back to the old covenant, take you back to a legal relationship with God and follow these laws and make sure you keep these laws because that's what pleases God. Listen, friend, what pleases God for you to live by faith in Jesus Christ. And you are well-pleasing to Jesus, well-pleasing in his sight. Look at this, Hebrews chapter 8, 
verse 6. Speaking of Jesus, it says, But now he's obtained a more excellent ministry inasmuch as he is also the mediator of a better covenant. You might want to circle that. There's a better covenant now. It's a covenant of faith. It's not a covenant of obligation. It's a covenant by faith because then now by faith, Holy Spirit comes to dwell inside of you and is now your empowerment when you live in Christ and you walk by the Spirit. He says, not only do you have a better covenant, which was established on what? Better promises. You have better promises. The old covenant had to do everything to do with what you're doing to be right with God. The old covenant always asks, what have you done? What have you done? Do this and live. The new covenant, the new covenant is better. It's now the work of God in your life. It doesn't depend on you and your hard work, but now Jesus Christ lives in us. So I popped in the phrase, in Christ, into my trusty computer program. And out popped over 85 occurrences of that phrase. I've actually had them printed out on a piece of paper. They're available out on the information desk for you today. And I want you to take that piece of paper and go through every single one of them on your own and let the Holy Spirit minister to you about what it is to be in Christ. If we run out at the information desk, we'll have it up on the website. You can click it and print it. And I want you to go through. It's going to take a little bit of effort, isn't it? It's going to be a little bit more of just sitting here Sunday after Sunday, receiving and walking. But now you're going to receive, walk, and then I've given you some tools to study for yourself what a glorious place it is to be in Christ. The more you learn of your identity in Jesus Christ, the more God works in and through you. The more you become a vessel for his honor. But for our time today, I want to point out a few of, you, few of them to you in Romans. So let's flip over to Romans chapter 3. We're going to walk through a few in Romans of what it is to be in Christ. Because you don't want to be anywhere but in Christ. The Bible says that those outside of Christ, those that don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, well, the Bible says there is a judgment upon you. That your sins will be held against you. That you will have to account for the life that you've lived apart from Jesus Christ. And I realize that some of you here today have never given your life to Jesus. You've never repented of your sin. You've never responded to that sense of conviction that you aren't currently right with God. That you've tried every other way. You might have tried a few false religions along the way. You might have tried Christian activities and Christian behaviors and Christian vocabulary. But you've never really surrendered. You've never cried out from the depths of your heart, God, I admit that I'm a sinner in need of forgiveness. I accept your forgiveness through the shed blood of your son, Jesus Christ. In just a few moments, you're going to have an opportunity to do that, to lay your life down, to humble yourself. The Bible says that there's coming a day when every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. Listen, friends, if you bow the knee today, what a great and glorious thing it will be to declare that Jesus is my Savior and my Lord. But if you wait until that day where you stand before God at the judgment seat, the great white throne is what the Bible calls it, and that is the day that you bow the knee, it will be a horrible day. We pray regularly for you that you wouldn't live this life apart from Jesus. You're invited to church because somebody loves you. You've been given a Bible because somebody loves you. A little track, a little card, somebody reached out to you at the supermarket because they love you. We love you. And we know what a horrible place it is to be outside of Christ. But notice in Romans chapter 3, verse 24, look at what a glorious thing it is to be in Christ. In Romans chapter 3, verse 24, it says, being justified freely by his grace 
through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We've been redeemed, we've been justified, and God has done this great work by his grace. Look at chapter 6, verse 11. Chapter 6, verse 11 of Romans. Some of this we've looked at in depth, and some of it we haven't gotten to yet, but this one we've studied. Romans chapter 6, verse 11. Likewise, you also reckon yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, but alive to God where? In Christ Jesus our Lord. So now you're dead to sin. Not, not only are you justified and redeemed, but in Christ, sin doesn't have the same effect on you like it did before. I know it might feel that way sometimes, but now you have the strength of the Spirit to say no to sin. You're dead to sin. Chapter 6, verse 23. It says the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life where? In Christ Jesus our Lord. 85 times you're going to find it in the New Testament. And it's so easy to read over it. In Christ Jesus. In Christ. It's a great place to be in Christ Jesus. You don't want to be described in the world. You don't want to be described in sin. You don't want to be described as in rebellion. You don't want to be described as in resistance and in anger and in the flesh. You want to be described in Christ Jesus. It's a great place to be. Look at chapter 8, verse 39. We're in verse 1 of chapter 8. We'll get to verse 39 soon enough. Chapter 8, verse 39, Romans nor height, nor depth. You know, look at verse 38. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans chapter 8 is so sweet as we see the entirety of it. Romans chapter 8 opens up with no condemnation, looking toward our past. And it ends with there is no separation looking toward our future. And everything in between speaks to being in the Spirit of God for our present. It is a great chapter of freedom and victory and joy. And there's no separation if you're in Christ Jesus. In chapter 5, or chapter 12, flip over a few pages. In chapter 12, we learn that in Christ we have a new family. In Christ we have a new family. So we being many are one body where? In Christ. We're a new body. We have a new relationship. We have a new spiritual family in Jesus Christ. You can jot these down. In 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, we learn that we're sanctified. We're set apart, set apart by God for good works, being changed from glory to glory, strength to strength. And then the big one, flip over to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. This is one you want to mark. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. You want to be in Christ this morning, friends. And if you are, what glorious truths there are for us that live in Christ. We're no longer in the world. We're no longer in sin. We're no longer in rebellion. We're no longer in war with God. We are in Christ. Look at chapter 5, verse 17. This is the one where you want to circle it. You want to put a star next to it. You, you want to be, you want to underline this. You want to memorize it because this is something the Holy Spirit can use in your life time and time again. It says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. That's an ongoing work of God's Holy Spirit. That just doesn't speak to the point of salvation in your life where there was a turning point in your life, but it speaks to every other failure that you commit that God is able to redeem it. He is able to forgive you for it. He is able to encourage you, to uplift you, to bring you away from it. God is for us. And if God be for us, who can be against us? There is therefore now no condemnation. In Jesus Christ, none, zero, zip, nada, nothing, zero. How much condemnation? None. For those that are in Christ, there's none. 
In John chapter 8, would you turn there with me? We meet a woman. The woman is described as a sinner, and her sin is even given to us. It was adultery. Although this woman was special because she was not only set up, but then caught in the act. And it's one thing to be caught in sin. It's a whole other thing to be caught in the very act. Pick up with me, would you, in verse 3 of John's Gospel, chapter 8. It says, Then the scribes and the Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst. You've got to read it that way, because that's kind of how it is, isn't it? No, she was caught. And we get so self-righteous when other people's sins are revealed to us. We get so self-righteous when people are caught in things. Instead of our heart breaking, our heart becomes hard. Watch yourself. Please watch yourself. This woman was caught right in the midst. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. I want you to see something. She was in the midst of sin, but from the moment... See, what happens, the scribes and the Pharisees don't actually understand what's going on. They actually rescued her from the very sin that they set her up from. They grabbed her. They took her out of that sin, placed her before Jesus. Now that sin is in the past. She's not currently sinning in front of Jesus Christ. She is dealing with a sin that is in the past and how guilt-ridden she must be and how heavy it must be to to being caught in such a way. How tears must be streaming from her face. How embarrassed she must be. How ashamed as her past right here in a moment's instant is haunting her Her past is pushing her. Her past is condemning her. And there is nothing that she can do. But it's in the past. She's dealing with sin in the past, in the presence of Jesus. Notice, it says in verse 6 that this is all set up to test Jesus, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down, wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear He's first going to deal with all the religious hypocrites. And we don't know what he wrote. There's a lot of speculation. Perhaps he wrote their names down with sins that they have done. Just so that there's an even playing ground right before him that we all come to the cross of Jesus Christ with sin. All of us do. I know some sins seem greater than others and I know some sins' consequences are greater than others, but we all come together. We all come arm in arm with the issues in our life. And maybe Jesus is evening the playing field. We know whatever he wrote cut to the heart because it says, so they continued asking in verse 7, he raised himself up and said to them, he who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. And then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest to the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. You want to be found with Jesus Christ after sin. You want to be found in his presence. You want to be found in a place where he can minister to you, where he can bless you, where he can forgive you. You want to be in a place where you don't hear everyone else condemning you. You don't even listen to yourself condemning you. You want to be face to face with Jesus Christ. Because notice, we learn what happens. Verse 10, Jesus had raised himself up and no one saw, no one but the woman. And he said to her, woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? And she said, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, mark these words, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. There's forgiveness of Jesus Christ. Neither do I condemn you. 
Neither do I condemn you. In John chapter 3, it says that God sent the Son into the world to save and forgive, not to condemn. Neither do I condemn you. I don't understand what it is about us that want to argue with God about this. He says it very clearly. Neither do I condemn you. But we put up such an argument with him. No, God, you've got to condemn me. I feel so bad. No, God, you've got to condemn her. She hurt me so bad. No, God, you've got to condemn him. Did you see what he did? And we argue with a God that says, neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. You'll avoid this altogether by living a righteous life. Jesus says to us today, I forgive you. I forgive you. Your past, your present, and your future. I forgive you. I forgive you. Listen to how he forgives you. Flip back to Isaiah chapter 44. Listen to this. Mark these. This is no temporary forgiveness. This is no offer of forgiveness, and then he's going to pull it back when you come looking. No, he says this forgiveness is sure. Look at Isaiah 44, verse 22. Would you please? This is powerful stuff. Neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you. Neither do I condemn you, Jesus says. And yet I find people arguing with God all the time because the weight of sin is heavy and the pain of consequences is huge. I know. And some of you might be battling right now, but I've asked Ed, you just don't understand. And that always is a condition, isn't it? Ed, you don't understand. You don't understand. In reality, I may not understand. But I'll tell you, the more and more I minister and the more and more God uses me to serve people in his church and the more and more I hear stories and the more and more I pray with people, the more and more I open up the word, you know what? I'm learning a little bit more and understanding what people go through when they commit sin. You don't have to go through someone else's sin in order to understand it. The Holy Spirit gives wisdom and understanding in his church. And although I might not be walking in your shoes, my heart aches for you. Because what's happened in your life has put an immediate stop. It wasn't a speed bump in your life. It became a brick wall that you crashed into and you haven't progressed any farther. That brick wall of condemnation, that brick wall of pride, my heart breaks for you. I want to see you released from the freedom of God's word today. I want you to realize there is therefore now no condemnation. Listen to what God does with sin. Isaiah 44, verse 22. I have blotted out like a thick cloud your transgressions, and like a cloud your sins. Return to me, for I have redeemed you. You know what this reminds me of? It reminds me of going up in a plane, and you go, kind of go through the clouds and the turbulence, and once you get over the clouds, you can't see anything below them. They are thick, and you cannot see through them. You can't see the city. You can't see what's below you. And God, he's blotted out like a thick cloud. Your sins have been taken away. Look at Isaiah 43, 25. Isaiah 43, verse 25. It says, I, even I, am he who blots out your transgression for my own sake, and I will not remember your sins. You put me in remembrance, and let us contend together, he says. State your case that you may be acquitted. Isn't that great? Oh, the forgiveness of the Lord. Listen, I'll read this one to you. Psalm 103, verse 10. He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor punished us according to our iniquities. For as the heavens are high above the earth, so great is his mercy toward those who fear him. Flip over to, to Acts chapter 3, verse 19. Acts chapter 3, verse 19. I had someone come up after first service and say, this is exactly what God has been doing in their lives. And I want you to hear it. Peter Peter stands up and begins to preach the gospel after a horrible failure. Wouldn't you say that denying Jesus Christ three times is a horrible failure? That you had Jesus with you for three years, and here you are with your mouth declaring to all, the, I don't know him. And what a failure he must have felt like. 
how hurt he must have been, how crushed this sin could have been in his life. But the Bible, Jesus predicted, he says, when you return, Peter, you strengthen your brethren. That's just what he did. He both returned and he strengthened his brethren. And he gets up and he preaches this message in verse 19 of chapter 3 in Acts. And he says, repent, because he knows that's the key. Repent, therefore, and be converted that your sins may be blotted out so that times of refreshing may come from the presence of the Lord. Times of refreshing, times of refreshing that just overwhelm you with God's faithfulness. And so Romans chapter 8, verse 1 becomes all the more glorious, doesn't it? There is therefore now no condemnation to those that are in Christ. You're listening to Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace, and he'll be right back to help us understand the difference between condemnation and conviction. If you'd like to hear this message from Romans again, go online to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Another way to listen to Ed's teachings is through our app. Search for Calvary Aurora in the App Store or Google Play. It's free, too. Each month, we try to pick out a book that we believe can be of some help to your walk with the Lord. And this month, it's A Love Letter Life by Jeremy and Audrey Roloff. Perhaps you were one of the millions that watched Jeremy and Audrey share their vows and commit their lives to one another on the show Little People, Big World. What you may not have realized is that they prepared more for their marriage than their wedding day. In this helpful book, they share their love story in all its beauty and imperfections. Their unique approach to dating empowered them to write an uncommon love story and really prepared them for married life. We'll send you a love letter life when you support Abounding Grace today with a gift of $25 or more. Share it with someone who is single and help them date intentionally, pursue creativity, and love faithfully. Give us a call at 877-30-GRACE. That number again is 877-30-GRACE. And please remember, we are listener-supported. Simply put, that means we look to our listeners to help us with the cost of being on the radio. You can donate to the ministry at AboundingGraceRadio.com or, again, call 877-30-GRACE. Now with some practical application for us before we close, here again is Pastor Ed. Now before we leave, I want to give you a few things, some handles to take home some practical tips in living life in Jesus Christ apart from condemnation. Don't confuse condemnation with conviction. They're two different things. Conviction of sin is a good thing. When you and I are convicted of sin, it's good, it's wholesome, it's valuable, and it will draw you to Jesus Christ when you're convicted of sin. And you come to that place where you go, oh, I can't have this in my life. Oh, I've been erring. Oh, I've been wandering. Oh, I need fresh mercy and grace. I need forgiveness. Wash me and cleanse me. That's conviction. Condemnation tends to push you away from other believers, push you away from fellowship, push you away from those that love you, push you away from prayer, push you away from church and fellowship, push you away from believers that love you, push you away from ministry, push you away from the things of God. That's condemnation. Don't confuse the two. Conviction of sin is a good thing so that we might stay sensitive to the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit will never condemn you, but he will often convict you. Never condemn you. Condemnation is never from God. Number two, when you're convicted, repent immediately. (laughs) Don't let it go. Don't battle. Don't fight. Don't say another day. Oh, I'll take care of it then. Or let me work through my issues first. Let me get rid of these feelings. Just repent. 
You can say and say and say, but never really mean it. True repentance will lead you away from that sin. The first step toward repentance is confession and admission. Seeing something like God sees it. In 1 John 1, 9, you can jot it down. It says, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If you're struggling in this area, I give you a homework. Go read Psalm 51, a psalm of repentance, and let the Holy Spirit use it to soften your heart so that you might come to the same conclusion. God will empower you. God will help you. He'll strengthen you. Number three, know and believe and act on God's word. Know, believe, and act on the truths of God's word. When Romans chapter 8 verse 1 says, for those of you that are in Christ Jesus, there is therefore now no condemnation. You read it, you hear it, you believe it, now you act on it. And you understand, you know, there's no condemnation for me. I'm in Christ. The Bible says there is therefore no. There's now no, con- no possibility of condemnation in Christ. We live by what God has said in his word because his word is life to us. It's living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. Tomorrow on Abounding Grace, Pastor Ed Taylor will show us what to do with our past as our series in Romans continues. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.